welcome to the LMA podcast featuring thought-provoking conversations with legal marketing and business experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, welcome to today's podcast. My name is Lynn Foley. I'm the CEO of F Squared Marketing, and I have the pleasure of being the co-chair of the LMA Wellbeing Committee. I am very happy to be joined today by Trish Lilly, who is the CMO of Struck. And I'm going to hand it over to you, Trish, to introduce yourself. Hi, thanks, Lynn. I'm happy to be here. I am the CMO at Struck, which is a firm based in New York and has offices across the country. I've worked for a number of law firms. I started in life as a journalist, and I am currently co-chairing the advocacy committee for LMA. So that's what's up with me this year. Excellent. Well, what we're going to be talking about today for our audience is we are looking at some of the numbers that came out of the F Squared Marketing and LMA co-branded mental wellness survey. And what we wanted to do was see if we could figure out what's going on behind some of those numbers, where we think they're coming from, and to give a few tips to our listeners today as to how they may be able to deal with some of those stressful situations and how they may be able to cut that stress out before it even begins. For those listening, this is a first part of a two-parter. The next part will be later in the month, where we'll have Denise Robinson from the Still Centre, who is going to help with if all goes wrong and you do have that crazy level of stress, what are some of the things you can do to help with that? But for now, Trish, I'm going to start by throwing a few numbers at you and getting your reaction to them. So within the survey, 96% of participants said that they have significant stress in legal marketing and 80% ranked that stress a seven or higher. What do you think when you hear those numbers? I think that things may not have changed that much in the 20 years I've been in this field. Look, I think there are reasons why legal marketing is so stressful, but probably not the least of which is that maybe overachievers and A-types are attracted to careers in this industry. And so we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and in some respects, and here I am blaming myself for stress. So there you go. But I think to some degree, we create some of our own stress because we're trying to deliver at such a high level all the time and attempting to meet. I always joke that lawyers have unrealistic expectations and legal marketers have unrealistic delivery models, right? You know, we're trying to do it all at once. I do think that we work in an industry that is driven to perfection. We look for service levels that are above average relative to other industries. There's also to some degree of formality involved in some of our days that isn't at present in other industries. And I think that can contribute sometimes to this having to put up a veneer or facade of like everything being perfect, which causes me stress sometimes. So I think those things contribute. One thing I always say to folks when they're joining my team, if they haven't worked in legal before in particular, is that you know, you're working with a population of individuals who've gone to school to find the flaws in things, the holes in things, the problems in things, the loopholes, the mistakes, the lack of, you know, where things with the misalignments, whatever it is. So they're trained to find 
issues and problems versus sort of having a positive outlook on things. And obviously that's one component and one facet. So I don't mean to oversimplify, but I do think that the critical eye that lawyers bring to everything in life can translate into a non-infirming environment, right? Plus they're reacting to client deadlines. They want delivery to be yesterday, all of that stuff. So it's a very high pressure environment. There's expectations that you're gonna perform at a very high level. Some of the things that make it a great environment to work in, like you're, I always say you're never gonna work with stupid people. If you're in legal marketing, you work with bright people. You work with folks who are going to challenge you and push you to the next level because they're going to question almost everything you do. But that can also be very stressful. So yeah. I think, I mean, that speaks to it a bit, right? Yeah, it's interesting because um, a year or two ago, it's COVID time, I, so I, I don't know how long right. things were. I think it was two years ago at the uh, LMA Southwest Conference. The keynote speaker was an astronaut because it was in Houston. And he was talking about the environment that they are in and the stress that they experience as astronauts going you know, up to the space station. And they press a button wrong and they are killing their colleagues and blowing up a billion dollar piece of machinery. And yet he felt in us speaking that we had more stress in legal than he had as an astronaut. And we had a long conversation as to why we thought that was. And, and we kind of got down to the, the bottom of it in, in regards to they have psychological testing going in to see do they have the temperament, the demeanor to be able to handle the level of stress, et cetera. I am not encouraging that we have psychological testing of people <laughs> right, joining yeah. legal marketing, but are there certain types of people to your point that maybe this is a good environment? Because I think you may agree with me. We have people who are lifers in this industry. You know, we, we have been in this industry for, for decades. Mm -hmm. Um, People, though, may leave very quickly or stay for a long time. Is there something we can do in regards to the hiring practices or what we tell people before they join? I think you need to be upfront about things. I mean, that is why I have those conversations yeah. in the beginning when I'm bringing people on or if they're coming from a different industry. And sometimes even with outside service providers, you want to sensitize them to the sorts of questions and reception that your ideas or your project or whatever will be met with, right? So, you know, you can work for six months on something complex that has all sorts of moving parts and whatever else, and you show it to the lawyers and they say, but why is that corner blue? And you go, well, okay, we can make it red. It's fine. You know, but like, what about yeah. the concept and the larger strategic vision? Oh, I don't, I mean, what, why blue, you know, and they'll can fixate it on that. And of course that can feel somewhat defeating in the moment. Um, but to your point, I mean, yes, there's the testing, like, you know, for astronauts or air traffic controllers, they go through a lot of tests. We don't as legal marketers go through that. And I think you're right. There are certain personality types that will do better. And I, I think that um, it's also certain folks have had certain types of experiences. So if you have had experiences in stressful situations or stressful um, professions prior to, it's a little easier to manage. But on the flip side, this is 
part of my theory on why lawyers perhaps are not able to always handle stress well and deal with working in a team, um, you know, with legal marketers under stressful circumstances in a successful way because they don't have context. Most lawyers, and again, I'm generalizing, but most lawyers go undergrad, into law school and into practice. So they have not had a breadth of life experience. They have not had different types of careers. Um, so, you know, very often what I'll say to my team is like, you know, we're not doing open heart surgery. We, you know, no one's going to bleed out on the table. I was a journalist. If you didn't file your story by deadline, a house ad was going in and you were getting fired or there was white space, right? You know, most of the time, nothing that serious is going to happen if we don't finish the pitch book by a certain time or whatever, um, you know, project it is we're talking about. So I do think that having, putting it in perspective, um, being, whether it's resilience, whether it's, an, you know, um, a sense of humor, being able to look at things with a little bit of cynicism, take it with a grain of salt. I think those things can help you get through your days better and to be able to kind of help the lawyers help themselves in that respect, right? Yeah. Speaking to that aspect, um, you know, two numbers that kind of jumped to mind that we saw um, were 82% of participants said that their day-to-day -day job was intellectually stimulating which is a brilliant number it, it says what you you know exactly what you said we're working with smart people we're doing interesting projects every day is different who wouldn't want to work in an environment like that however 81 percent said more often than not i am being asked for projects by the lawyers asap mm -hmm. as soon as possible do you have any tips for our listeners in regards to how do you handle that ASAP, ASAP, every day? Um, how can you educate the lawyers that, you know, what really is ASAP? So I'm answering this question as someone who did, I think it was the uh, caliber testing when I was at one firm where I, I came out with a 99 of 100 sense of urgency. So I am just as crazy as they are. Um, but I think that what you need to do is you need to educate them a little bit. You need to set some boundaries a little bit. I mean, there's different ways to go at this. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I am at a certain stage in life and my career. And, you know, maybe I command a little bit more um, of the ear of partners when I say things. So, you know, I think there are ways to do this at every level of your career. But one thing I would say is lawyers are largely trained in the Socratic method. So that's a that's a path I'd love to go down. We need to get this out. You know, it's important. I found this RFP on a website and I think, you know, I would love to do work for this company. What's the name of it again? You know, whatever, right? So maybe it's just an ill-advised venture altogether. Um, and that's a very obvious example. But I think one of the things that folks can do to empower themselves a little bit to try to manage that space, because I think, you know, depending on the culture of the firm, the size of the firm, all of that, the, your ability to control this is going to be limited in, in various ways. But, oh, I would love to help you with that. Can you, can I ask you a few questions? Is this a client we represent? Do we have a relationship with them? When did we receive this? Whatever else. So, I mean, there are times where 
all you're going to get out of them really is you still have to get it done. And when did we receive it? We got it three months ago and it's date stamped because it's sat on your desk, right? You know, and you waited until the Wednesday before Thanksgiving to ask me to fill it out. Um, and, you know, look, sometimes it is going to be, I don't want to set unrealistic expectations. It is going to be, you have to throw in the towel and you have to do the silly project, which you know is going nowhere. We've all been there. We've all done that. But you've at least made a point of this sat around, you know, whatever. And I also think it's great to say, we can complete this for you. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to be the quality that we would like because we don't have the resources and we don't have the time. Another way that I've gone at this myself is, you know, once you get to maybe a supervisory level or whatever, you can say, absolutely, I can have someone work on this tonight. Where do we charge the overtime for this? Would it be to your practice group or, you know, and they, they begin to literally, these are very smart people, but they get wrapped up in their own day to day and go, oh, wait, like a human being has to fill this out and work on this and whatever. And this costs the firm money. So sometimes our job is to just point out the obvious to them and to steer them in a particular direction. I mean, I think that half the time that lawyers are being asked for these things and they're reacting in a kind of a knee jerk manner is that they're busy themselves and they haven't thought it out. So part of your job annoying as it may be at times is to help them take a breath, take a step back and look, is this the best approach to this? You know, would it be better to take, I mean, some deadlines are deadlines, right? But if you've got some time and what they're creating is sort of a false deadline, then we take three days, we could do a really nice piece with yeah. this. We could put a PowerPoint deck together, whatever it is. So I don't believe in creating a culture of no, and I, and I wouldn't necessarily say culture of accommodation describes it, but one thing I've tried in, in, in the jobs that I've had is to create, um, you know, this culture of like, let's talk about this, you know, what's the best way to approach this, you know? Um, yeah, one, one thing I found, um, so obviously pre F squared, uh, I was in house for a long time and I was a, a director at um, AMLA top 10 firm. Mm -hmm. And one thing I found to your point about quality was I, I would do a show and tell. It would be, if we had a couple of weeks on this, mm -hmm. this is what it would look like. This, this yeah. is the quality you get. Unfortunately, since you now need this tomorrow, we're going to be doing something that looks like this. So I just want you to have an understanding right. of what you're going to receive versus what you could have received. Um, because I think sometimes they're, you know, as you said, they're very busy and there's a disconnect between that expectation and maybe they saw that beautiful quality piece and don't fully comprehend that there's not a button that just gets pet pressed. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's silly. And you would think that they would know that and they probably would know that if they gave it any time, you know, or any thought. But that's part of your job is to just sort of say, these are the options. And this is how things work. And you know, with this type of turnaround time, we can certainly do that for you. Unfortunately, it's not going to be and, and you're saying it's unfortunate. So then they don't interpret it as a marketing won't help me. It's, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm sorry. But unfortunately, at this point, we cannot help you in the way you right. like. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's actually where some of our stress comes from, because as you said, a lot of people who find themselves in these roles, we are type A personalities. We are ourselves scoring high on those urgency right. factors. That's who we are. And no one in a role such as ours that I know of in our industry are happy handing something over that we feel is subpar. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably adds to the stress too, that, you know, I'm not saying that we uh, 
you know, should care less. I don't think we can necessarily mm-hmm. care less, but that I, I think doesn't help too, because it's it's not just their expectations, it's our expectations of but ourselves. I, do, our I, I agree with you, but I think to some degree, uh, you know, it, it's maybe not um, lowering our expectations, but just being realistic mm-hmm. in how we assess them. You're and right. you, you hear general counsel say all the time, oh yes, you know, if I get hit with a bet, the company suit, you know, I need to be, with a top, you know, top five firm or whatever else, but sometimes good enough is good enough. And sometimes good enough is good enough because it's all you're really going to be able to deliver. So you check the box and that's what, what we were able to, to give in that instance. Yeah. Um, A couple of other numbers that uh, I think really tie into this. Um, And I'm going to give them both to you and then you can address them in whatever order makes sense for you. Participants said, 63, well, 63% of participants said there is a lack of understanding of my role by the lawyers. And then 41% said there is a lack of respect for me and my role by the lawyers. What do you think when I say those numbers to you? Um, I'm glad that lack of respect has dropped to 41% because I would bet it was higher 10 years ago. It was higher, yep. Um, and uh, lack of understanding does not surprise me. Again, I think it goes to, to some degree, the self-absorption or, you know, like kind of all-consuming focus lawyers have in their own roles. So they're not even giving thought to what we're doing. Um, I think that that's an opportunity. Um, the lack of respect is, I view it as a challenge, you know, because I've certainly faced that over the years. I've been in this industry a long time. Um, so there are different ways I would say to go about chipping at those and, um, lack of understanding, um, in some ways I almost think is tougher to battle than lack of respect. So for lack of respect, I would, there, there's some very basic things. And again, some of it, it, I'm going to bring some gender into it because when I first entered this profession, I was shocked. It was almost all women. I went to my first LMA conference and the only, like, I think I saw like three men and two were vendors, you know? Um, so it was, it was a long time ago, but I do, when I have younger um, women who are right out of school joining me, whatever it happens to be, Um, you know, we're all dealing with history and historical legacy and whatever else and how we're perceived in the workforce. So I always say, you know, as any type of marketer, take a seat at the table. Don't sit by the credenza and eat your lunch with the paper plate balanced on your knee. If a phone rings, I don't care how awkward it is, do not get up and answer it. You are not there to be administrative support, right? So, uh, you know, those are two very concrete examples. Um, But what I also think is, you know, if you want respect, you need to present yourself for respect. So, you know, even though you may be in a business casual firm, you know, wear your blazer to the office, you know, wear a jacket. I'm short. I wear five inch heels if I need to, you know, whatever. Um, although if you, if you take them any higher than that, you're going to maybe be negatively perceived otherwise, whatever. But, you know, I think that what you want to do is it's presentation and some of that is superficial, but I do think clearly from the research that's done, it makes a difference. From a substantive standpoint, what you want to do is like meet them where they are. So if you find a cool article, I mean, all of us are reading stuff, whether it's through LMA publications, whether it's news publications, whatever it happens to be. But as you see articles that about trends in their in, in an industry they service, or if there's something in an LMA publication that deals with 
you know, new trends in business development, technology, whatever it happens to be, share that sort of stuff with them. Begin to say, oh, I actually, I read about this and blah, 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 blah. Do the tracking of their clients. I mean, certainly it all depends on what your role is, seniority level, all that sort of thing. You can always say, FYI, I thought you might find this of interest no matter your seniority level, no matter where you sit in the firm, that sort of thing. Once they begin to see you as someone who is reading business publications, understanding them, tracking trends in industries, you know, pulling stuff that they find helpful, I believe that that almost always makes them reassess how they are thinking of you. Um, yeah. yeah. For lack of understanding. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Sorry. Um, one another just really tangible one that I I don't want to lose. Um, we have data that the lawyers don't. Yep. And information is power. And for us, you know, not everyone may have access on on this uh, podcast to this, but if you have access, for example, to the back end of your email marketing system, and you can go in and you see that when that newsletter was sent out and a particular article was written by an attorney and you see, oh, it went to this client of theirs Mm -hmm. And it was obviously forwarded and lots of people read it, just dropping them a little note that says, hey, just so you know, this really resonated with XYZ client. Maybe you could suggest a lunch and learn, a webinar, something like that. Mm -hmm. That extra value is just you move up in their estimation again and again. So we, we have powers they don't have that we shouldn't. No, I forget. think that's very important to know, you know, and that's the thing, finding ways to demonstrate. You don't want to go toe to toe and have some sort of debate with them about something, but just lending value, sending an FYI, sending an article, whatever it happens to be. And that's what I was going to say about lack of understanding with roles, right? I think that some of that is served when you use data, when you serve up data to them, Um you can dispel this myth, you know, with, oh, well, you're just formatting alerts or whatever it happens to be. If you're in a comms role, we'll start to look at, you know, what are the open rates or when they're insisting that some alert go out at 10 o'clock at night because everyone is sitting waiting to hear their analysis after 75 firms already put it out, whatever it happens to be, right? Um, You know, saying, well, you know, we put that out. So I wanted to follow up and see who opened it. And we only had, you know, six people open it, unfortunately, or whatever it happens to be. So I think all of that data is really important. And you may not have access to the back end of your email system if you're, you know, folks who are listening to this, but most of us can take a look at likes on LinkedIn, even if we're not, even though we're not the administrator for our firm's LinkedIn or, or whatever it happens to be. I think there's lots of ways to pull data. Um, the other thing is, even if you don't have any of your own data, if a partner is saying, I'd like to do X, Y, Z, or I, I, I want to, you know, engage in this type of activity, you do have access um, to, to the competitive intelligence of what other firms are doing and what's out there and say, you know, I took a look at our top three competitors and, you know, they haven't done this at all. So it's a great idea, or they've been doing it since, you know, 2016, and maybe you want to rethink yourself, um, whatever it happens to be. But I agree with you. I think putting data at things eliminates the emotion, it eliminates the the perception, it eliminates the subjective. I mean, you're still gonna find um, jackalopes. I'm not going to use any profanity here, but you, you will still find goofballs who will 
argue with you till they're blue in the face about stuff, yeah. but data just takes it out of it. You're not, you're not being inappropriate. You're not being, you know, not deferential or something. You're just giving them the facts, ma'am. Yep. Perfect. Um, one final stat for us to kind of round off what we've been talking about today. Um, 65% of participants said my firm tries to limit stress associated with my job. But when we looked at the free field comments, a number of people said, although there are things put in place to help with my stress, be they yoga, you know, EAP groups, whatever it may be, um, I'm too busy to take to participate in them. I don't have time to have lunch um, or I'm eating dinner at my desk. So if I participate in yoga, then that's adding time to my day. Um, you and I have been around this industry for, for quite a while and, and we've lived through the um, school of hard knocks and, and learning from our mistakes. Um, so what would you say to people who are coming back with those types of um, thoughts? Um, you don't get a, a special badge for martyrdom. Um, despite all of my trying early in my career, I was never awarded one. Um, you know, focus on what actually matters in life, which is life. Um, and I know this is very easy for me to say, but I will say, I will give some tips that I have used over the years and, and offered to others, you know, the firm offers these things. The firms now know they need to offer these things and make it a livable workplace and, and have um, respect for their employees, whatever else it happens to be. But um, so there's nothing wrong with, and again, this will all depend on your firm and the, and the buzz of the culture and maybe even lawyer to lawyer how you deal with this. But putting on, and I am away from my desk right now, I expect to return at 3 p.m., whatever it happens to be, so you can go do chair yoga in the basement or whatever thing is going on, um, you know, when we're in the office together. Um, my firm does weekly virtual meditation. I don't put anything on. It's an hour. If you need to get me within that hour, then someone better have been shot on site or, you know, like this needs to be a real crisis. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, I don't do that every week, but I try to do it I've always said to my teams, if you need a day where um, you want to step back and just kind of not actually interact with anyone because, you know, you need to catch up on your inbox, you need to do whatever, you put, I am in firm meetings all day, I will, you know, I will be responding to email as quickly as I can, but for, you know, and get somebody else to act if you're out of office or whatever it happens to be, whatever works for you, but there's nothing wrong with that. And I would also say that it's, it's surprising. It's almost like those times when you finally wise up and say, okay, I'm not going to sit here. I'm going to go actually go outside, see the sun, breathe the air and have, you know, eat some chicken, you know, in a park or whatever. Um, you realize nothing fell apart. Yeah. These people, you know, there will be some people, there are always some people I was trying to call. I was trying, I'm sorry, I wasn't available. What can I help you with now? You are not answerable to them for what your activity was. Again, if you're a junior person at a smaller firm, this can feel very different. Um, but still, you can just say, I'm so sorry I wasn't there. You don't need to wrap yourself up into explaining why you weren't there. And I do think it's rich in irony. I mean, firms are saying, you know, here, we, we, we care about your mental health. We care about this and that. And please 
um, you know, so we're going to let you come in at 7.30 on Sunday instead of 7, you know, whatever. So again, there's always going to be a little bit of that um, dichotomy, but um, the, the, if the resources are there, take advantage of them. I tell my team all the time to take PTO and I got in, into a discussion with one of my folks the other day that hasn't taken anything, had COVID during, you know, last year, didn't want to take time off during that. I mean, it's so crazy. And I said, look, I leave from the, I take PTO. I may be responsive to email. I may do X, Y, Z, but I do take my PTO. And they said, but I feel like I'm so behind. I said, are you going to feel ahead if you don't take the PTO? Like, of, of course you're not. So I do think we have to set our own boundaries to a large degree. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share a story with our listeners just so they can learn from my mistakes. Back earlier in my career, when one of my uh, daughters was preschool age, I had taken a half a day. So PTO, half day, not supposed to be in the office to go and see one of her little plays at a preschool or whatever it may be. And uh, she did very well. And afterwards, I had promised her a banana Sunday float thingy at the diner. Yes, that was her, her prize. I have negotiated that as part of this podcast. Yes, yes. I will send you bananas and ice cream. <laughs> and we're sitting in the diner and there's kids at this other table. And the father is on the phone, totally ignoring his kids. These kids are awful, absolutely awful. They are banging a tambourine one one had a kazoo they're messing with other people's food and my daughter who was four or five at the time was getting more and more frustrated and I'm sitting there on my Blackberry responding to partners responding to my lawyers mm-hmm. and I'm pretty much doing kind of what the guy is doing except he's on the phone right. but I'm there saying honey no that it's up to their dad he, he'll he'll do it just 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 like mom they're being so naughty they can't do that So she eventually goes over to them and basically says, if you don't stop, I'm going to make you. She was so annoyed with them that they were just disturbing everybody's peace and disturbing this. Well, yeah, wasn't it that lovely ABC show, What Would You Do If This Happened to You, or whatever the heck it's called, You're on Hidden (laughs) Camera. And doesn't this go out on ABC? It goes out on Good Morning America. It is all over. And they are, you have Diane Sawyer talking about my daughter. And why is it that children have no fear to be able to go over and tell people to stop misbehaving? And all I saw was, oh my goodness, America has seen me sitting there on Blackberry <laughs> when I'm supposed to be taking a vacation afternoon, responding to email and ignoring yep. my kid. And That's that hilarious. to me was such a wake up call of, oh my goodness, I'm really glad everyone is <laughs> over there looking at the crazy, you know, kids interaction. But all I could see was that was meant to be me being time off from work with my kid, special time, and I couldn't get my face out of my Blackberry. And that's the thing, right? Like I said, you you have to prioritize the things that matter and apply the five-year rule I always call in five years. Will it matter if I see my daughter in this play or if, you know, I don't do this, whatever. And sometimes work wins in those those five-year rule applications, but more often than not, it doesn't. And then being fully present, as you just talked about, I mean, you can take the half day, right? But you're still sitting there 
And that's, I did learn that lesson myself too. Thankfully not on national television. You, you trumped me on that one, but you know, like just, just say I'm out for the day. I'm out. I sometimes I'll say I may not have access to email, which is true because my phone may be in my bag or whatever. Right. I just think you have to carve that time for yourself. It's obviously easier the more senior we get, but I do think that there are ways to sort of push back politely at more junior levels. And if anyone wants to talk about ways to do that, I'm happy to strategize. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a sentiment for both Trish and I. If anyone on this listening today needs any advice, obviously Trish and I are here. Please feel free, drop us a note. There's an entire wellbeing committee that is available as well. Just go to the resource center of the wellbeing committee and you'll find who the members are there or just reach out on any of the message boards that we have here at the LMA. Everyone in our community, whether it be on the Facebook page, on the website, are available here to support each other. And I thank you, Trish. Thanks for joining me today. And I hope everyone takes a step back, take a breath. And next time round, we will be talking about some tips to handle that stress when it does all get a bit too much for you. Thank you, everybody. That concludes another installment of the LMA podcast. To discover all that LMA has to offer, visit legalmarketing.org. For links to content featured in this episode, please check out the show notes. If you like the podcast and want to help others find us, we hope you'll take the time to subscribe to it and rate us on iTunes. Thank you and have a great day.